It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Week one is in the books for the Cincinnati Bengals. They'll head to Dallas and take on the Cowboys in Jerry World. What are we looking for as the Bengals try to move on in week two? You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, bringing you coverage of your Cincinnati Bengals every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We're brought to you today by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. Going to look ahead. The Bengals taking on the Dak Prescottless Dallas Cowboys in week two. And I feel like the Bengals have dodged a starting quarterback in Dallas for the last few times. These, these teams have met this year will be no exception to that rule. And honestly, James, we're looking for things to be different for at least the offensive side of the ball. And the offense for the Bengals, of course, starts with Joe Burrow, who played probably his worst game, at least worst half of football since his rookie year. You can point to the the Ravens game, as I mentioned earlier, his rookie year, if you really want to find a bad one. There were some reasons to think that Burrow was processing better, was playing better as the game went on, but certainly some things that I'm sure he and this offense will want to clean up, and it really does start with number nine. It does, no doubt about it, and that's... Look, Burrow isn't going to throw four interceptions against the Cowboys. Uh, if if he does, um, I'll do – I don't know because I can't do some kind of crazy dance because people would be bummed. But uh, I'll think about what I'll do. It's not going to happen. He's going to play better. And, like, of the, like, the things that we saw week one, it's kind of the least of my worries. Like, I just expect him to play better. And I think the conversation probably would have changed a bit – had they finished it off at the end against the Steelers. And you're right. I, he got off to a really shaky start. It was really uncharacteristic that the pick six was just brutal, just a backbreaker. And, you know, the, he did have the one interception in the second half. The The TJ Watt interception is just a great play. Like, I don't necessarily think that's on Burrow. It's not ideal that he doesn't have the throwing lane, but it's just a great player making a great play. So I can live with that. Can't live with the pick six. Uh, the sack fumble, not necessarily on him, of course, uh, but that one stings too. And so I just, I expect Burrow to play better because even when he did start to get rolling and the numbers look better and everything like that. And uh, the, the last two drives of the fourth quarter, right? With the touchdown that should have been with Jamar Chase had Zach challenged it and he admits mm-hmm. as much now um, versus the the play with two seconds left, they, they find a way to score. Even then it was hard. It was like challenging. And part of that is you just don't have T Higgins. Tyler Boyd was a little nicked up, but part of it was, it was just something felt a tick off. 
And so what do I want to see from Joe Burrow this week at Jerry World? I want it to be the Joe show. I, I want him to, to light up that giant jumbotron that is way too damn big with so many numbers that that's all they can put, that they can't fit the replays on that thing. And it's huge that it's all Joe Burrow stats, 59 for 62 for 3,281 yards and 12 touchdowns. Like that's the expectations are high this week. And I, I think he's going to bounce back. I think he's going to play at a really, really high level against the defense that has some good players, but is beatable. So that's where I'm at with Burrow. And we'll talk about the rest of the offense in a bit. And we, we could talk about the defense and, and all of those things, but specifically Joe Burrow. I think we're going to get something completely different than we saw specifically in the first half of that week one loss to Pittsburgh. Yeah. And even, even in the first half at times he was fine. It's just second drive, the second drive there, he was fine. Yeah. The the first drive left a lot to be desired and and Hmm. leaves a a sour taste in your mouth for sure. I mean, he was obviously ruminating after the game, right? You and others reporting about how he's sitting at his locker, staring off into space, not showering, not getting dressed. The whole locker room is cleared out at this point and Burrow's still sitting there thinking about, man, what could I have done differently to help my team in this game? And that's the kind of player he is. I assume, yeah, I assume that's what he was thinking. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm all of his mistakes. I, I guess I am making an assumption there, but the the guy that we know bounces back from this sort of thing. The 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 uncharacteristic thing was the day he had forcing the ball into windows that he should not have thrown the ball into. One of them on a fourth down, which makes it a little bit more forgivable. But again, to me, on that play, it's a processing issue. He shouldn't be on Tyler Boyd as soon as he sees the discover two. He should come off and he should go elsewhere with that ball. The uh, the deep post pick to Tyler Boyd, he took an extra hitch. He's late. The first pick of the game, the pick six, honestly, every time I watch it, I, I get more confused. I, yeah. I do not understand what he was looking at on that play. He locked on to, to Tyler Boyd. It was Tyler Boyd on that play. And, locked on. That's us. Go ahead. And... It was just something that he doesn't do. He stared it down, and and Minka Fitzpatrick was just waiting for it. Yeah. Later in the game, in that second drive, like you said, he, instead of locking onto a receiver with two high covers and in a window he shouldn't throw, the whole shot that the safety's waiting for, which also he left far too far inside, so it was inaccurate on top of everything. Second drive, he he processes much more quickly. Okay, I don't have that whole shot. I can check down on time. And now I pick up seven yards and a first down on a mm-hmm. check down to Hayden Hurst. Right. And so for Burrow, that's one of the big things I'm looking for this week is the consistency of that quicker processing. I, I do think, and, and this is a little bit tinfoil had and probably a lot of projection on my part. I do think he's a little bit bored and disappointed when he has to check it down. Uh, I think that he, he is still that player who's looking for the kill shot and and that got him into trouble a little bit against the Steelers, but I'm looking for that consistency and processing and seeing those post snap rotations and getting to his correct target on time in a more consistent fashion, because he did it quite a bit on Sunday, but I do think that where he did get into trouble, it was he's, he's late. He, he looks a little rusty. Maybe the timing isn't down with some of these receivers, maybe some of the receivers aren't even running their routes as detailed as they should. For example, the the near pick on the uh, target for Jamar Chase on fourth down uh, that, that they don't convert after the non-challenge, 
where uh, Mike Thomas runs uh, a decoy route. He takes it too deep into the end zone. So that's not on Joe Burrow. That could go down as a fantastic play if the Bengals offense gets his details correct. And so there's some stuff like that as well that I think needs to be cleaned up, not only in the passing game, but the running game. But when we're talking about Burrow, I think consistency of processing is something that I'm looking for this week. All three of the the interceptions, the non-TJ Watt interceptions, and you mentioned it, targeting Tyler Boyd. Just weird. Not saying it means anything. The touch, his first touchdown went to Tyler Boyd too. Just weird. And, yeah. and so hopefully they can get on. And I don't even think it's the same page necessarily. So I don't want to say that because the Minka interception has nothing to do about pages. It has to do with looking elsewhere because that's not it. And um, so yeah, I, you know he held the ball too long on, on quite a few plays, including the first play from scrimmage. Like you could feel it. And so, yeah, I, I expect him to be much better. I will say this, though, because I, I don't think I got to say this on the podcast, and there's a lot of people talking about preseason. And I'm going to be quite frank for all of those that are like, man, Zach Taylor, that's why you play the preseason. I ripped Zach on Sunday. I did. And and Monday again for the, the Jamar Chase challenge or, or non-challenge and uh, different calls. Zach 100% not even 100, 1,000% made the right call in the preseason because Joe Burrow was coming back from an appendectomy. You want him to, he started throwing three weeks afterwards where they had to open him up and he had lost mm-hmm. all this weight. He was drinking four mass gainer protein shakes. Mass gainer. Guess how many protein mass gainer protein shakes I drink, Jake? Zero. Because unless you really got to put on weight, you don't touch those things. And right. so Burrow was trying to get his weight back. Um, if he had gotten dinged up in a preseason game, number three, couldn't have played in the first two anyway, but dinged up in a preseason game, we would have crushed Zach Taylor. Mm-hmm. If Lyle Collins would have gotten dinged up, we would have crushed Zach Taylor. So let's not do this and have this. Oh, that's why you, I don't give a damn about the coaches that played in the preseason with their starters. I don't care. I think Zach made the right call there. So I had to get that off my chest. Um, but yeah, I expect Burrow to play better. I think that's safe to say. Yeah, I think that we are on the same page for that one. Absolutely. If there's one thing that we can count on is that Joe Burrow's work ethic is going to be what it's been. Like his track record is so strong in this area. There's no reason to think it would be different. We should talk about what we're looking for from the offensive line. I think there are going to be some similarities from, from my end anyway, and the offense in general. And well, probably looking for more of the same from the defense. And we'll get there as well. That'll be coming up later in the show. But it's autumn. I don't know about Cincinnati. It's starting to get a little bit chilly out there. The weather's doing weird things in Cincinnati as it does. And as you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders at all times. And LinkedIn Jobs is here to help make it easier for you to find people you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. That's a few more people than even listen to this podcast, which kind of blows my mind. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy for you to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview for the job. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires against its leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster with nearly 40 million job seekers visiting the website weekly. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
It's time to tell you about our newest sponsor, a local sponsor, and one that we're really excited about here on Locked on Bengals. And look, Schultz and Sons Jewelers, Matt Schultz, we talked to him today. You're talking about a local jeweler, third generation jeweler that is a diehard Bengals fan that knows jewelry inside and out. He taught Jake a thing or two about sports memorabilia along the way. And uh, we're just really excited to partner with uh, a local company, a family-owned company that is uh, just the leading experts in jewelry here in the tri-state. And they're a part of the American Gem Society, by the way. Only one in 20 jewelers can say that. One in 20, 5%. So it's uh, you're talking about a high-quality local jeweler that can help you with something as simple as uh, a watch repair, can help you with something as simple as a battery if that watch died or or something more serious like custom pieces. You want your own JB9? Well, you can get that uh, JB9 pendant. Maybe you want your own hot take chain. They can hook you up right now. Schultz & Sons is located in northern Kentucky, the Kroger, Pla- Kroger Plaza in Fort Mitchell, and it's right off the highway across uh, from the Mercedes-Benz dealer right there on uh, Dixie Highway. So get go there, SchultzDiamonds.com. Check them out. And, and and when you're in town, if you're in town, if you're visiting for a game, check them out. Because whether you're looking for something special for her or you want a hot take chain, Schultz Diamonds has got you covered. Again, that's S-C-H-U-L-Z Diamonds.com, S-C-H-U-L-Z Diamonds.com. James, let's talk a little bit about the offense here in week two as mm-hmm. – if they want to put on some fancy Schultz diamonds, hopefully that's where the Super Bowl rings come from this year. They'll need to play a little bit better as as the year goes on. I think also one major theme that I, I want to highlight is the under center game. And this isn't the offensive line, and, and I think we will talk plenty about the offensive line because there are some players who we can single out that need to play better. But under center in week one, the Bengals ran the ball six out of 18 times. And... I went back and watched every single under center snap. Their their first under center pass of the game was play action to T. Higgins goes for like 20 yards. Their second under center pass of the game is play action in overtime. Their last under center snap of the game to Hayden Hurst for a couple yards before they kick the field goal on third down. Ugh. If you're going to get under center and have that be a part of your offense, Mm-hmm. You need to make it a little bit harder for opponents. The Steelers were absolutely, and I talked about this with Mike yesterday in our All-22 Takeaways show, and something that I noticed live, they were keying on your formation. Not only that, Mike noted that, uh, at Bengals Hands on Twitter, of course, Mike noted that every time they handed it off when they did have jet motion, meaning there was a receiver in motion at the snap, the handoff went in the direction of the motion. You're making the job too easy for the defense from from a schematic perspective and you know in the middle of the game i noted man they've really set up that second down play action off a wide zone and then they just never went to it there were some things that i really liked out of the play action designs they ran there was one play action play that had me scratching my head in particular that i've tweeted about but those are some things that uh, on the coaching staff side of things i would like to see better from a play calling play design game planning perspective is is making it harder for the Dallas Cowboys to key off on what you're doing based on your alignment. And I wonder where we're at with the, and this isn't the Joe Burrow segment, but where are we at with him 
as far as play action is concerned. Because the numbers out of play action better. were, yeah, were good. But how, where's his comfort level, right? Mm-hmm. And and so if he is comfortable, great. And if not, get him comfortable, <laughs> right? Get him comfortable because the way this offense and this offensive line is set up, you have Joe Mixon. And you have an offensive line that should thrive when it comes to run blocking, right? And so mix those two things together and the play action game should be there at times. And, and I I certainly hope to see that more. I just think it's going to make life easier on everybody. Yeah. And, and, and so if you can make the job easier for everyone from Burrow on down, let's do it. And, and so I, I think they can. I mean, think about how many deep balls, and I'm going back now, but Carson Palmer at the 50, play action to Rudy Johnson, hits 85 in stride for six. Sure. I mean, that. anytime you were in that part of the field during that era of Bengals football, and I know it's a completely different game than an but that's what you thought. You were like, oh, good time for a play action pass. I remember thinking it all the time. Like, that's just what you thought. And uh, because Rudy would get his. And, and I think Joe Mixon obviously is going to, to get his as well. But no, I, I agree that it, it would be nice and it's it's good that we had Mike on and and you on of course to to break down some of those tendencies that that's the those are the type of things that will hold this offense back like they're too talented to to not just go off mm-hmm. in, in in a lot of their games this year they are and I know they didn't uh, against the Steelers and it was a tough game and all of those things but this offense is going to go off against people they should go off on Sunday at Jerry World. There I said it. And and that's one of the things you want to talk about what I want to see. I, I need 30 plus in Dallas. I'm going. If I don't get 30 plus, I, I don't care if it's 27-3. I need 30 plus from this. What was, what was the trip for if they don't score 30 plus? Because they're that good. Because damn it, they're that talented. Right. And you know, they would have scored with five turnovers. They they scored 26 points. Now, 20s on the board, but the, Jamar scored. Mm-hmm. So I know it wasn't up there, but think about that against a defense that's much better than the Cowboys, in my opinion. So, and not to mention that they had an opportunity there, if not for the holy roller rule, to kick a 55, 56 yard field goal after Samaj P. Ryan scoops up that fumble that they didn't have the opportunity to kick as you, well. So that you, could have been even more. Do you agree with that rule? It's a dumb rule. Why would you not be able to advance the ball? Because one time it was abused. You can't, can't, they ruined it for everyone, apparently. It, it only takes one. It only takes one. I was talking to a, a friend of the show. Well, he's not been on the show, but Max Toscano, who's covered and watched Joe Burrow. He's an LSU fan. Watched Joe Burrow going back forever. Good, good football mind, high, high football acumen. And he, he reminded me that for a long time, Aaron Rodgers also resisted play action. He hated it. And then they and then they just said, Aaron, you got to do this. And, uh, you know, I think that results have varied for Aaron Rodgers, but it's an important part of the offense. And even if Joe Burrow isn't the most comfortable with it, I think it just has to be part of the game plan because you can't go under center the way the Bengals did on on Sunday against the Steelers. I just don't think that you can do that all year and be successful. It, it just makes the defense's job too easy. Uh, we were going to talk about the offensive line in this segment, James. We, we've teased it kind of. Hit our cap for that. We'll come back to the offensive line. Last thing, since we're talking about the passing game, is uh, better deep, better deep game, better intermediate game. Those those parts of the game were lacking. 
for the Bengals, and they still need to find a way to exploit these two high shells in that part of the field. That being said, plenty to talk about on this offensive line and plenty of greatness, in my opinion, from the defense that I would like to see reprised against the Dallas Cowboys. And honestly, Cooper Rush, we're not going to have Mike White 2.0. We, we, we can't do that again. We'll get into those topics to finish up the show coming up next. BetOnline.net is a one-stop shop for all of your betting needs. One-stop shop. So if you think Joe Burrow and company are going to roll over the Cowboys this weekend at Jerry World, well, you can wager on them. Heck, I bet you could get, and I know you could get really, really good odds right now after four interceptions with Joe Burrow for MVP. Or maybe you just think Jamar Chase, that offensive player of the year, is uh, is in his grasp, and I think he's certainly got a shot at that. You can wager on all of those things and so much more at Bet Online. And it's not just NFL; they got Major League Baseball with the playoffs coming up. They got NBA futures, MMA, boxing, golf. So head to the website today. I've used them. I've won money. You can too with Bet Online, where the game starts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, let's get into this offensive line, shall we, James? Because, you know, seven sacks looks pretty ugly. Mm -hmm. I I do want to throw out a caveat. One of the sacks isn't even a sack. It's a broken play. Joe Burrow kind of fumbles the snap a little bit on an RPO. He takes a knee at, at the line of scrimmage. That doesn't count. Ca- I mean, it counts as a sack officially. It's not a sack. So six sacks, still pretty bad. Came on 70 dropbacks, 70 plus dropbacks. Um, still more sacks than you want on a per play basis. You don't want to be anywhere near 10% uh, for, for, for sacks taken. And that's, that's where the Bengals ended up. And some of that is on the offensive line. Some of that is specifically on the left side of the offensive line. Cordell Volson and Jonah Williams both having their issues, especially early for, for Jonah. And then Cordell Volson kind of settled down until the overtime, I thought, for the most part. But even though there are these long stretches where everything is totally fine and there's a lot of clean pockets for Joe Burrow and he was only pressured, you know, he had the ninth lowest pressure rate, according to PFF in week one, despite dropping back 70 times and a lot of clear drop back situations against a good pass rush. You need more consistency. You can't have these game-killing, drive-killing, kind of getting sacked on the first play of the game, giving up strip sacks and near strip sacks. Uh, That needs to be more consistent for Jonah Williams and Cordell Volson. And even, I would say, Lael Collins needs to be a little bit more consistent, who, you know, PFF hasn't given up one pressure, which is great against TJ Watt, but TJ Watt spent a lot of time not even trying to rush the passer, too. Mm-hmm. which is how we got that interception. So yeah. uh, a little bit to be desired from from those three in particular, but also I'm just going to throw out a positive note that there was plenty that I liked from them, especially on rewatch. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was watching live. Lel Collins, yeah. I mean, the the tackle for loss where Mixon got sacked. Not I good. said that right. Like that's, that's a sack. You know, it doesn't count as one. 
but it is. I mean, it's just such a, a blown up play. He doesn't. I mean, he think I think he got like three fingers on TJ Watt. But yeah, you're going to have those. But I I think that the path for this offensive line to be good is there, and they flashed it. And the good news is, is I thought Alex Kappa was really good. I thought Ted Karras was as advertised. Cordell Volson, you're expecting him to get beat up a little bit by Cam Hayward. I that that was the one I was expecting, and and Collins. I'm hoping that that was, you know, him just getting through some growing pains. He's got a big revenge game this week, as does Chidobe Awuzie. We'll get to the defense in a second. Uh, so that part could be fun. But the Jonah Williams one, man, I watched him in camp. And I know on this podcast I talked to you about it, but I know off of it I did too. And there were multiple times where I'm like, Trey's just getting him and just getting him and just getting him. And so hopefully that was just a weird matchup. You know, it's just an outlier of plays, and he can be better starting this week because uh, it, it it doesn't get any easier. You got a guy in Micah Parsons, who is uh, is a freak. I mean, I watched him bring down Brady twice, and uh, he's mad because Leonard Fournette chipped him. Well, the Bengals be better be ready to chip number eleven and follow eleven around and just yeah. be throwing bodies at that dude. Um, but yeah, no, this playing. offensive line, you, you want more consistency. And again, I want them to get to a point where they're either they're so great that we're we're talking about them like crazy in their leading shows, or they're good enough to where we never have to talk or gripe or complain about them. And and it's still not there yet. Hopefully, they get there starting on Sunday against Dallas. I think it's doable. It, they do have some good pass rushers. They've got some good defensive linemen. I do think it's doable on Sunday, though. Yeah, the interesting thing with Micah Parsons, and I'm sure we'll get into this with our crossover coming up with uh, Marcus Mosher tomorrow and our game preview. Micah Parsons lines up everywhere. Yep. So so that'll be an interesting game planning aspect. And Demarcus Lawrence is still a pretty solid pass rusher, still a really good player for Dallas. So the interior's job should be easier. There's no Cam Hayward over there. There's no Larry Ogunjobi over there. So there's still some good football players, but you're right, James. I think consistency like I said, from Joe Burrow and, and I would say, you know, the, this team in general is, is, is a big theme. I think for week two, you can't have these spike negative plays and put yourself in this big hole. And the reason the Bengals were still in that game against the Steelers is that their defense, everyone's talking about the Steelers defense and how the Steelers defense won the Steelers the game. And that's true. I get why they're talking about it, but the Bengals defense is the reason that the Bengals had a chance in that game. I know the Steelers' offense is defunct, and Matt Canada doesn't run a system that uh, is very aesthetically or functionally pleasing, Mm -hmm. but the Bengals' defense played great. And so with Cooper Rush being the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, they lost their starting left guard, uh, Connor McGovern, I believe, and his replacement was an absolute mess in Matt Farniak. Talking about made up names for left guards, Matt Barniak. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is that he, with an F or a PH? F. Oh, yeah. And a K at the end. So uh, th- there is an opportunity there for the Bengals. DJ Reader, uh, probably going to have a pretty exciting game in general. That's a matchup that should be really fun. Talking about matchups that should be fun. Reader was the best player on this Bengals defense, as Mike and I discussed on yesterday's show, and Zach Martin. Fun test for him. Tyler Biata's solid center, but Matt Farniak at left guard. The way that the Steelers tried to pick on the Bengals' left side, there's an opportunity for the Bengals as well to pick on Tyler Smith and Matt Farniak 
on the left side for the Dallas Cowboys. And so looking for more from this pass rush, if there is one thing I'm looking for more of, and, and hopefully they have some opportunities. I think the Steelers played such a conservative brand of offense that there wasn't a huge amount of opportunities for the Bengals pass rushers to get after it. But in, in retrospect and, and in reviewing, they did leave something to be desired despite playing really well in the run game and really well overall, a little bit more havoc in the backfield yeah. and in the passing game would be nice. And uh, as Zach Taylor said, getting, getting some of those takeaways, that, that's the other thing that was missing. And they were close. They're close to a few strips, but uh, th- those are the things I'm looking for for the, for the defense. That similar level of consistency and just find those spike plays that the Steelers found against the Bengals. I just want a bonus episode of Locked on Bengals where Jake Lisko says Matt Farniak for 30 minutes. Matt Farniak. I mean, Matt Farniak with an F and a K. <laughs> um. Nebraska Cornhuskers, seventh <laughs> round pick in 2021. <laughs> I bet, hey, I bet Zach Taylor knows him well. Look, <laughs> this defense played really well on Sunday, and I thought that they would be the stabilizer early in that game, and obviously they were. But you're right. The splash, sometimes you need a little splash. You need someone like a Minka Fitzpatrick to make a big play. You know who I didn't notice once? Literally, one, I guess once because he, he tackled the tight end who broke free. Uh, into the red zone when the Steelers are about to go in for their first offensive touchdown, go up 17-3. Did you notice much of 30? Did you notice much of Jesse Bates? I mean, when was he going to have an opportunity? Like, he just wasn't – yeah, go ahead. No, I agree. Like, the way it was set up, it was weird. It was a weird offense. They didn't push the ball down the field much. There wasn't much of an opportunity for him to make plays. All right. But – but – this is supposed to be like the biggest year of his career. And he's supposed to show everyone that he's this game changing, crazy, awesome safety. Like it, it matters. It matters to have games like Minka has had or Minka had, he was dominant for the Steelers made plays, got into it with Mixon, made tackles in the run game, had the pick six, obviously the, the black extra point. And I'm not holding Jesse to that standard, but think about it. He spent the whole off season asking for that type of money. And so if, if I'm going to be fair here, I do want to see more from Bates. And again, it's a unique matchup and all of those things. Mm-hmm. But all right, now let's see it this week. And, and who knows? Maybe Cooper Rush doesn't push the ball down the field at all. Or maybe Jesse Bates needs to put himself in position to make more plays. Because at some point, it can't be, oh, well, it's because of the offense and the offense they play. Or it's because of... So that's just something I want to see. I want to see more 30 making plays, not being critical, just being honest. Uh, but overall, this defense played really well. They didn't force a turnover. I need multiple this week. And I think they would say the same thing. And you're right. There wasn't enough chaos around Mitch Trubisky. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the only near interception, I'm trying to think. I think the only near interception was on their final drive when they went down to kick the game winner when, when it hit Trey, Trey Flowers. Flowers in the one arm. And he was held. It was actually interference. No one's talking about that. Too. Yeah, that was yeah, that was pass interference. And I on rewatch, I definitely because I watched it Monday morning. I was like, yeah, that was definitely interference. Mm-hmm. And they didn't call it. But that was the near pick. There weren't many near picks though, and so that that needs to change against a backup quarterback. And you said it. You mentioned the Mike White thing. You can't be afraid just because a backup's in there. All right, what's this guy's name? Cooper Rush. I know he's got four letter, letters in his last name. You know who would scare me more at quarterback? Cooper Cup. 
So you have to, I'm serious. So you have to go out there and do exactly what you did to Mitch Trubisky, but also force some turnovers. Because if you do that, this offense, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, look out. A bunch of these guys on the defense played really well. Logan Wilson, DJ Reader, yeah, Trey Hendrickson, Jermaine Pratt, Mike Hilton, Eli Apple, all played, played really well. well. I think Jesse yeah. Bates also played really well. Cheeto played really well. I just think that it was, like you said, it was a weird game. But you're right. I mean, it's not ridiculous to say let's let's see if they can put Jesse Bates in a position to to make a few more plays. I'm not putting this all on Jesse for for game one, and I don't think you are either, just because he's doing his job and he's doing his job well. It's just, you know, where, where are those know the, flashy plays? You know the other thing that I, I want to say? I just don't want to forget it. I wrote it down here. Um, and I, I missed the offense part, so I'm going to do both right here. There's two guys I need to see on Sunday. The first of which is the 31st overall pick. In six defensive snaps, I get it, unique. You're not using a bunch of three safety looks, all of that. Ish. I mean, talk about a guy who forced turnovers in the preseason and I think could maybe have helped you a little bit and, and maybe give you that splash play or help with that. I think he's capable of doing it right now if you use him. So I want more Dax Hill. And then on offense, if you're looking for a spark, T. Higgins goes down and Tyler Boyd's a little nicked up. And yeah, Samaj P. Ryan played well. And I'm not saying don't use him. That's fine. Use him. But can 25 get a snap? No. Can Chris Evans get a snap? I just Apparently not. I just, I just want to know. I mean, I, they, they didn't have any explosive plays. Jamar Chase's long was 24 yards. They had to dink and dunk. Like, can 25 get a snap anytime to put him in the slot? Like, I don't care. I, I, he doesn't need to impact the running backs at all, but just get him on the field. Anyways. You wonder about that. Uh, yeah. Last note for me is Joseph Osai took most of his snaps on the interior, which weird. Uh, is weird. And he didn't get many. I think 11, 11, 11 total snaps. defensive snaps. And uh, let's see, Weird. nine of them between the tackles. Weird. Uh, a bit odd. Be interesting to see how the defensive line rotation shakes out. Zach Carter, just 11 snaps. Osai, 11 snaps. Cam, Cam Sample, nine snaps. They're, they're asking a lot from those starters. And I know it was a lighter workload for, for the defense this week. Only 63 total plays because the Bengals turned it over so much. And... To the defense's credit, they got off the field a bunch too. Three of 13 in regulation on third downs for the Steelers. That's a lot of three and outs. So uh, that, that is something I would like to uh, like to see. Or monitoring, I guess you could say, this week. We'll, we'll see what happens here. I, I expect that we might see Jay Tufele up. Might see the, the Bengals preparing for a very run-heavy game plan from the Steelers. And we'll get – or for, from the Cowboys. And we'll get into that with uh, – with Marcus on our crossover tomorrow because there's a better offensive line on paper, at least in Dallas and Ezekiel Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott is still a pretty good running back and Cooper rush. Well, let's see what the Dallas Cowboys are going to bring to the table. We'll get into all of that in our crossover Thursday coming your way tomorrow here on locked on Bengals until then Bengals fans. Thanks for listening today and have a good one. Hey, prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.